On this episode, COVID-19 invades our daily lives. Schedules have been disrupted. There are people working from home, and there are people filing a record number of unemployment claims. On the bright side, television ratings are seeing a general uptick. Also, there are some books I've been currently reading as well as already read. All this and more, coming up on Jessica's show. Hello, peoples. Welcome to the show. It's been a hot minute. A lot of things have happened lately. I've had exams get canceled left and right over the past several months. Jessica's show was on hiatus for a few months, until today. But first, I want to thank all my loyal listeners for catching up on all the archived episodes on the listening platforms. I really appreciate it. Now, I want to start this episode. It's pretty heavy to make, to be honest. So we're going to start with our first segment, because we all know why we are here today. So, what's front page news? That would be the novel coronavirus outbreak. At the time of this recording in the United States, there are currently over 1 million cases, and I suspect there will be more. Over 61,000 deaths have been attributed to the outbreak, and most, if not all, had compromised immune systems. And that number is rising as well. And, as you just heard, it's been almost two months since Kentucky confirmed its first case of the coronavirus. The person is fully recovered from it, thank goodness. The state has declared a state of emergency due to this. But today, as of this recording, there are 4,539 cases of COVID-19 with 235 deaths. And the cases and deaths are still going up. When it comes to the virus, the biggest thing I want to stress is to wash your hands with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Second of all, Lysol everything. Third thing is we need to stay at least six feet away from other people. Social distancing is key to at least containing this virus. Although the economy is going to be reopened soon. But here's the catch. The businesses that are opening are still going to be abiding by these social distancing guidelines. According to... CDC guidelines, the ones most at risk of serious illness are people over 60 and people who are immunocompromised. That's if you have other factors like heart disease, diabetes, and kidney disease, among other factors. So, what have I been doing during this time when there have been no new episodes? It is month three in quarantine, and I'm still healthy at home. Cabin fever has set in and the LSAT flex has been made official. I've experienced a lot of highs and lows emotionally during this time. I guess COVID-19 has made me realize I needed to make more time for things that matter. When looking at all those blog posts I've been writing and those that I have written over the past few months, I've definitely changed my perspective on a lot of things. For one thing, I definitely complained about things during my gap year I shouldn't have, and I complained about having an English degree as well. Perspective changes quite a bit in a few months. Well, at least I have a degree. At least I graduated debt-free. 
But for some reason, academia came back in full force when I thought about writing an entire lesson plan on the differences between requirements and recommendations in the time of COVID-19. Well, enough of the sentiments. My gap year is almost over. I'm taking the LSAT flex from home for hopefully the final time. After June, I'll figure out if I'll start my 1L year or if the gap extends another year. I'm still planning on law school. Don't worry, there's no rush. The rest will be a long road ahead. I thought it would be a good time for me to start planning for my first novel or book of poems. The possibilities are endless. When we come back, it's our television update. Don't change that dial. We'll be right back. Hello, peoples. This podcast has been made possible by listeners like you. Thank you. Welcome back to the show. It's time for a TV update. Like I said, it's been a hot minute. Over the past few months, lots of things have happened. For this episode, I want to combine the broadcast and cable updates as lots of things have happened. Like I said, so this will seem pretty long. Don't worry, we'll get back to normal for future episodes. Many sports conferences are canceling tournaments due to COVID-19, with the Big Ten and Southeastern Conference tournaments announcing tournament cancellations, soon after the NCAA canceled the tournament for this year. COVID-19 will, in the coming weeks, affect the ratings world, as it already has, as quarantines, travel bans, schools, colleges and universities, and many businesses announce closings and remote work or they already have, even though the economy is getting ready to reopen in phases. So as a result of all these, ABC's The Bachelor Winter Games is also canceled due to the virus. In addition, The Bachelorette has suspended filming indefinitely. Pilot season has been disrupted on all the networks, which means that networks will be scrambling to find programming for the next few months and even to the fall season. Also, production on existing shows has been shut down indefinitely. How's the disrupted pilot season affecting the networks? Let's start with ABC. On ABC, Station 19 was renewed for a fourth season. The Bachelor finale hit a season high with a 2.4, tying Jeopardy! the greatest of all time and within a tenth from the Masked Singer's fall premiere. Stumptown is still the lowest-rated drama on ABC. Recently, the show has shown diminishing returns in the delayed viewing numbers. We're still watching for life. It's seen diminishing returns, but it is still pulling stronger numbers in both Stumptown and Emergence. Speaking of the Baker and the Beauty... It's not doing well, if that makes any sense. But it's not getting ABC drama rookie pity renewal. For life is more likely to be. With CBS, there's really not much I can say or attest to as far as who is on the fence. The revamped Thursday lineup premiered almost a month ago and broke 
and man with a plan premiered a ratings two tenths higher than what the Unicorn and Carol's second act pulled. They've since come down to earth and stayed there ever since, with .6s and .7s. Tommy premiered with low ratings, even lower than All Rise, and already renewed evil. Today, Tommy climbed up in the recent ratings and now has reached borderline. The Unicorn and Carol's second act just recently finished their seasons. They're on the fence. God Frenemy was officially canceled after numbers plunge in 2020. And of course, MacGyver is still posting strong numbers for Friday in today's landscape. Man the P.I., while down from Hawaii Five O, is maintaining the rating surge from January. The biggest news comes from the cancellation of Hawaii Five O. Hawaii Five O concluded its final season last month. With a one-hour episode, even though CBS announced a two-hour finale. But we'll get to that another day. But after this news, we know for sure Magnum and MacGyver are likely coming back. However, this might cause some worry for Blue Bloods fans. Moving on to Fox, there's not much you can say with who's getting the boot. Outmatch is only doing okay after a down last man standing, but Fox only has limited real estate on comedies, so that may get the axe. Deputy was officially canceled after a single season. And we know Almost Family got sent to Saturdays, which it aired its series finale and scored a new low of a point two. Back in January, it and Flirty Dancing were pulled from Wednesdays after both shows garnered low ratings. So Fox officially announced the show's cancellation after the Timothy Hutton allegations. With three other dramas on the bench, it's unclear who is on the fence. And speaking of The Resident, it's a question of ownership. Will Fox be ruthless and cancel this third season drama just like in past seasons? Or will Fox take an L with the rookie dramas and keep it? Only time will tell but either a renewal for a final season or cancellation is likely. The same situation goes for Last Man Standing. Speaking of animation, it's ramping up lately with a renewal for Duncanville, officially confirmed. So Duncanville fans don't need to worry. NBC, on the other hand, has two shows potentially getting the axe. That would be Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist after low preview ratings as well as Friday show Lincoln Rhyme. Next week, Council of Dads officially premieres, and the preview ratings were meh at best. But since the disrupted pilot season is currently occurring, Lincoln Rhyme Hunt for the Bone Collector is NBC's best chance for a pity renewal. Superstore, to no surprise, was renewed. It will join Brooklyn Nine-Nine for next season. Manifest is currently on the fence. In the drama department, both the entire One Chicago lineup and Law and Order SVU were renewed for three seasons each. In the ratings department, This Is Us crashed to a 1.1 in one of the episodes, although that is still good for the ratings climate. This Is Us, however, since rebounded by the finale. With the CW, only Katie King is on the fence. It's not doing well in the streaming metrics currently on TV time, and it's not doing well in linear ratings. The rest of the shows not announced for a final season 
have been renewed and ready to go for next season in preparation for a possible writer's strike. But on the CW, there is a good chance it will get renewed no matter what because it's a Riverdale spinoff. But my question is, how low is too low, even for a spinoff? With production disruptions on the CW comes schedule changes, as In the Dark premiered earlier than anticipated. It's been steady at point ones, rounded at best. The unrounded numbers were not even pretty, with the latest number at 0.07 in the key Adults 1849 demo. Moving on to cable. With election coverage and COVID-19 ramping up in the cable news front, many of them scored near the top 10 in the ratings charts. Case in point, Fox News has been winning in total viewers regularly. The increase in ratings have definitely benefited all the cable news networks due to part with people staying at home. I haven't done this in a while, but it's time for Wrestling Wars. We're going to start with the ratings for Monday Night Raw. And let me tell you this. The pandemic has not fared well for the wrestling world. Ratings are at new lows. Raw's at a 0.5 and so is SmackDown. Raw's been pulling a viewership below 2 million for quite some time after WrestleMania. And filming shows without fans has not worked out well for WWE or even AEW, which has remained at 0.25 in the demo. Now, let's talk freeform ratings. Freeform ratings have been a disaster so far in 2020, but we do have the latest ratings for Siren. Siren premiered to around the low point ones and 420 some thousand viewers. And this week's mother one for Salem demo rating was a point one one, which is still good for the 1849 demo for the ever dropping freeform, which has seen ratings as low as a 0.03 and viewership as low as 98,000 viewers. Looking at you, everything's going to be okay. Also, looking at you, the bull type. Even low-rated CBS-produced shows on the CW are blowing these shows out of the water. Jeez. Let's talk the return of Outlander, shall we? The late, One of the latest ratings reports in... That was like weeks ago, got a point one in the 1849 demographic. I'm going to probably check this average, but... As of the recording, which I wrote last month, it was scoring a 0.12. And I'm getting ready to pull the ratings for it now. As it is season four, I think. Oh, yeah. Season five ratings. Yeah. 0.12. I was correct on that. Outlander's down 32% year-to-year. That's pitiful, but it's still one of the bright spots for stars. And that has been your TV update. When we come back, I'm going to read some of the latest books that I've been reading. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Hold up. Don't go anywhere. This podcast has been made possible by listeners like you. Thank you.
Welcome back to the show, folks. During the COVID-19 pandemic, I wanted to catch up on some reading. In this segment, I want to comment on the books I've read or am currently reading. A book I have finished reading recently is Tim Moore's Burning Down the House, Punk Rock Revolution and the Fall of the Berlin Wall. I will now read the description from Goodreads. It began with a handful of East Berlin teens who heard the Sex Pistols on a British military radio broadcast to troops in West Berlin, and it ended with the collapse of the East German dictatorship. Punk rock was a life-changing discovery. The buzzsaw guitars, the messed-up clothing and hair, the rejection of society, and the DIY approach to building a new one. In their gray surroundings, where everyone's future was preordained by some communist apparatchik, punk represented a revolutionary philosophy, quite literally, as it turned out. But as these young kids tried to form bands and become more visible, security forces, including the dreaded secret police, the Stasi, targeted them. They were spied on by friends and even members of their own families. They were expelled from schools and fired from jobs. They were beaten by police and imprisoned. Instead of conforming, the punks fought back, playing an indispensable role in the underground movements that helped bring down the Berlin Wall. The secret history of East German punk rock is not just about the music. It is a story of extraordinary bravery in the face of one of the most oppressive regimes in history. Rollicking, cinematic, deeply researched, highly readable, and thrillingly topical, Burning Down the House brings to life the young men and women who successfully fought authoritarianism three chords at a time and is a fiery testament to the irrepressible spirit of revolution. This was one of my favorite books so far from 2020. I do recall. I've been reading American history books that have Ronald Reagan's tear down this wall speech as the biggest highlight. But this book definitely brings another side to it. And that means that the dynamics that allowed the Berlin Wall to fall down were practically more complex than that. I would love to talk more in depth about this book in a future episode if the timing allows. Currently, I'm reading Freakonomics. A rogue economist explores the hidden side of everything. The description on Goodreads reads, it's pretty long, which is more dangerous, a gun or a swimming pool? What do school teachers and sumo wrestlers have in common? Why do drug dealers still live with their moms? How much do parents really matter? What kind of impact did Roe v. Wade have on violent crime. Freakonomics will literally redefine the way we view the modern world. These may not sound like typical questions for an economist to ask, but Stephen D. Levitt is not a typical economist. He is a much-heralded scholar who studies the stuff and riddles in everyday life, from cheating and crime to sports and child-rearing, and whose conclusions regularly turn a conventional wisdom on its head. He usually begins with a mountain of data and a simple, unasked question. Some of these questions concern life and death issues. 
Others have an admittedly freakish quality. Thus, the new field of study contained in this book, Freakonomics. Through forceful storytelling and wry insight, Levitt and co-author Stephen J. Dubner show that economics is at root the study of incentives, how people get what they want or need, especially when other people want or need the same thing. In Freakonomics, they set out to explore the hidden side of, well, everything. The inner workings of a crack gang, the truth about real estate agents, the myths of campaign finance, the telltale marks of a cheating school teacher, the secrets of the Ku Klux Klan. What unites all these stories is a belief that the modern world, despite a surfeit of obfuscation, complication, and downright deceit, is not impenetrable. Is not unknowable, and if the right questions are asked, is even more intriguing than we think. All it takes is a new way of looking. Stephen Lovett, though devilishly clever and clear-eyed thinking, shows how to see through all the clutter. Freakonomics establishes this unconventional premise. If morality represents how we would like the world to work, then economics represents how it actually does work. It is true that readers of this book will be armed with enough riddles and stories to last a thousand cocktail parties. But Freakonomics can provide more than that. It will literally redefine the way we view the modern world. So, so far, this is currently one of my least favorite books. In particular, there are certain chapters that have disturbed me. But that does not mean it's a terrible book by any means. When we come back, I'll be giving my final thoughts. Don't go away. We'll be right back. This is a podcast distribution update. Since the last episode of Jessica's show, we got a new podcast distributor. And we are now available on Stitcher Radio. We may take on another market next. You never know. This means we're now on all 10 available anchor distributors as well as Podbay and Castro. You can listen to all episodes through Stitcher as well as other platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to the show. It's time for my final thoughts. Here's a clarification on Freakonomics. I've been following along with this book in audiobook format due to the fact that the state library database has limited copies available on Overdrive. If you don't know what Overdrive is, it's an app that public libraries use to allow people to check out ebooks and audiobooks to listen at the comfort of their own home. I've been utilizing it more frequently as I've been staying at home. Duh. There's also a user-friendly version called Libby, and Libby is an app that you use to listen and read a book within the app. Pretty cool, right? In other news, the LSAT has been canceled for both March and April so far, so the Law School Admissions Council has introduced a condensed version of the LSAT called the LSAT Flex. It has one section of analytical reasoning, 
aka also known as logic games, logical reasoning, and reading comprehension. There is no experimental section with the LSAT Flex. It will be administered remotely through Proctor U in the second half of May, from May 18th and 19th to be exact. Studying for the LSAT has been really tough during the pandemic. Some days I can only manage one section, but building things up to test day is of absolute importance, as well as review. Also, the LSAT recently announced the cancellation of the June test. That's been replaced by a June administration of the LSAT Flex. So far this year, electronic books have been winning the reading race. I love seeing and reading words on a page. I love traditional printed books. That's just me. Audiobooks, although enjoyable, don't have the same effect. Make sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BetaRoll96. Like Jessica's show on Facebook and like my public page, Jessica Boggs, on Facebook for more updates. Also, you can follow the TV Ratings Guide on Twitter at TV Ratings Guide for more TV-related updates. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Jessica Boggs, signing off.